Hello, church. Good to see you this morning. I'm glad you got a glimpse at my past. Yes, that, that is me from 1992 or three or something like that, about 30-something years ago. So, uh, uh, and uh, anyway, this morning's passage is a very familiar passage. It's one that we've grown up hearing probably multiple times a year, at least through the time of the Lord's table. And these are really difficult texts to preach because people just refuse to not people. We all just kind of have our thoughts pretty much set in stone, especially when it comes to a very familiar passage. So one of the things that I do in, in, in reading familiar passages and researching familiar passages to try to develop a lesson or develop a sermon is I turn it into a first-person idea that I'm someone in that situation. I'm someone in that town, in that church, if it's a letter that Paul's writing or something like that. And this morning, instead of me just trying to preach through this, I would like to offer you my thoughts in the first person. So let me introduce our guest speaker, Rufus. Good morning. My name's Rufus. I am a member of the Corinthian church. Corinth was, a, was an interesting place to, to, to be a Christian, to, to leave the faith of the gods of the statues and the gods of the Caesars and, 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 and become a follower of the way, to become a follower of, of Jesus. Paul spent about a year here in Corinth. He spent a year here establishing the church and and then getting us set up in worship and working with Aquila and Priscilla and, and, and teaching us the ways of, of worship. It was difficult. It was difficult because the house that we met in, it looked just like every other house. It looked like every other house on that street. But once you stepped inside, you noticed something different. And it was foreign, and it was, and, it was, and it was strange, and it was uncomfortable in the beginning. Because when you, when you walk in, the first thing that you see, the first thing that you notice is that there's, there's more people than should be inside this, this house. Kids are running around playing hide-and-seek, and slaves and free men and Roman magistrates are all walking around mingling together. There's no, there's no status of culture or wealth. And it's really unsettling. It's, it's, really, it's really uncomfortable when all that you've known is, is if you're a worker, then, then, then you sit at this table and you eat from this menu and you drink from this wine. And if you're, if you're a magistrate or if you're, a, if you're, if you're, if you're somewhat important, you, you drink from these vessels and you, you eat from these menus and you sit at these tables. 
But one of the things that Paul and, and Aquila and Priscilla would always tell us is that, is that me becomes we in the fellowship with Christ. That when we come together, when we walk into this place, we leave Rome behind us. And we just become a part of the fellowship, a part of the family, a part of the people that God is, is bringing together. The first time I showed up, I ended up sitting at a table with a Roman magistrate, magistrate that, that I had actually appeared before in court. He didn't recognize me, thank goodness. But I was terrified. But when the time came, he broke the bread and said, the body of Christ broken for you and handed it to me. And he poured the cup and he served it to me. It shattered my uncomfortability. It, it, it broke through the things that I was feeling and the apprehension that, that was in my body. My mind became clearer and I began to imagine, what if this is true? I had been places before where they told me I would be safe. I had sat and eaten with people in their homes where I was told that, that everything would be the same, that this person is kind and this person is compassionate and this person is generous, but they weren't. Because you could see that the best food was reserved for their table and the people sitting with them and the best wine was reserved only for them. And the rest of us were left with whatever else they could find. But when you walked into this house, when you came into this house and you walked through the atrium and into the large dining room, there were tables set up with all kinds of food. There's chicken and there's beef and there's, there's vegetables. It's like everyone is provided for. And it's amazing. And there are tables gathered around the outer edges of this room. And people are reclining at the table. They're sitting and they're talking to one another. And you see a slave sitting next to a slave owner, not in service, but discussing the letter that Paul has written to us. That was the way it was when I first showed up. But over the last few months, something's changed. Something shifted. The house is not as welcoming. See, some mornings of worship, I work. And I come as soon as I'm able to, to get off. And lately, when I've been coming in... There's a table of loud and boisterous people sitting over, and it looks like they have consumed much of the wine. And they've picked over the food, and there's nothing left for those of us who come later. I 
Paul sent a letter to try to address this, and he, he stressed that we must wait for one another. He stressed that because we are one body, we eat one loaf. And right now, nobody's considering the body. They're only considering themselves. And it's heartbreaking. The letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church addresses a lot of things. But I think that this table conversation that Paul is having with them and, and that, that, that he wrote to them was so important for them to understand. Paul so wanted them to, to, to practice love well that he told them flat out, he said, he goes, I have much to say, but what you're doing is not the Lord's Supper because you're doing it individually. You're, you're, you're separating off into factions and sects and groups and, and, and this political group is over here and this political group is over here. The folks with status are over here and slaves are shuffled off to the back. He's, that's not the way the kingdom works. Benjamin has talked to us over the last two weeks about taking the bread, blessing it, and giving it. Right? That, and... and and honestly, I think sometimes when we read the Lord's Prayer and it says, give us this day our daily bread, I think too often we think my daily bread. The bread that Christ gives us, we're supposed to break and share. First here and then with the world. And the cup. Benjamin talked last week about the cup and how the cup shows us that we're saved. And why are we saved? We're saved so that we can live together. We're forgiven so that we can, we can come together as one. Andy, if you're forgiven, then I have no right to hold anything against you. And if I'm offered forgiveness, I have no right to offer condemnation. These are a lot better than the rip and sips, right? Yeah. But there's still something about not being able to take the trays and pass them down the aisle. There's still something about not being able to have a table set up with the cup and the bread and being able to gather around it as, as family and friends and break bread and hand it to one another. But you know what? There is some symbolism in this that I'm, that I'm learning to love. And I think it fits with what Paul's telling the church. Because see, in this little package right here the bread and the cup are together as one and it's a symbol of how we're supposed to be we take the bread we take the cup together as family because we are one and here's the coolest thing about church, right? And I think it's designed this way. Church is messy. Right? Church is messy because this is where the, we have to learn to love each other. And some of y'all are a little weird. 
right? And, and, and I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a reflective statement. I'm part of y'all, right? I mean, DJ's wearing red pants this morning. What's up with that? And things shift and change from time to time. Did anybody notice that a couple of pews were gone? Yeah? Kind of shook you a little bit, didn't it? But everything's okay. We're all good. We're all one. We are God's testimony to the world. That people from different backgrounds, different ethnicities, different political opinions, different ideas on how to raise children, different in every way possible. Look around the room. What, there's five, six generations of people in here that have experienced different things, but we're all one. We are all united. We are all we. Together. And this is the beauty of what Paul is writing to the church in Corinth. And he's telling them, when you take the bread... When you take the cup, take all of that into account and consider one another. Consider the body of Christ as you take the bread and as you eat the cup. It's more than just simply sitting there and thinking about what you did to help cause Christ's death. It's about considering one another by name, by face, as you look around and you see the other people that God has forgiven, as you see your brothers and sisters who you get to sit with and have a family meal. My hope, my hope, is that the symbol of this begins to fill our every meal. When you go to lunch with somebody today, instead of just thanking God for the food that's before you, take a piece of bread and break it. And remind one another that this is the body of Christ. Broken for us all. And toast each other with the cup that we all drink from the family chalice of the forgiven. Scott McKnight puts it this way, and I actually printed it off so I wouldn't forgive it, forget it. The we of fellowship is spiritual. It's social and it's financial. But fellowship's not something we create. It is the result of God's work in us. And when God's people live in fellowship with one another, when they do life together, the church embodies the gospel about King Jesus and people respond to the gospel of Christ. 
We live in turbulent times. We live in a time where people know our opinion about everything. We live in a time when we're wondering about the health of the church going forward and about whether or not church will continue. There are churches that are closing all over the world. There's no magic pill. There's no light switch solution. But I do believe if we will get the message about where we eat, the king's table, if we will take the message of the bread and the cup with us and share it at every table we sit at, I believe that people will respond to the gospel of Christ. Would you pray with me? Father, we are grateful for your table. We're grateful for these simple but physical emblems that we get to practice each and every day. Father, stir our hearts when we eat of the bread. Not just here on Sunday morning, but every day. Father, stir our hearts when we lift the cup to our lips. And let us not simply think about ourselves, but think about the we that are in the room with us. May we be those who sit at the table of the Lord, wherever that table may be. In Jesus' name, amen.